All right. Oh, there we go. That works. How's everyone doing today? Ready to get started? All right. A lot of enthusiasm. Let's go. Um, so despite what the front uh, sign says, we're not going to be talking about EDIs and APIs. We're going to be talking about this concept of end-to-end -end supply chain visibility and the single pane of glass. Um, my name is Matt Marshall. I'm a senior director and general manager for Flexport uh, Southeast Region based here in Atlanta. Um, how many people out here know what Flexport is? Raise of hands. Couple of people. You work for us, you don't count. Um, so let me explain to you what, what Flexport is. So Flexport is a license freight forwarder built on a technology platform. Um, our mission is to make global trade easy for everyone. Um, and the way that we think about doing that is taking the end-to-end uh, international shipment transaction and digitizing and wrapping technology around each portion of that transaction. And I'm gonna, I'll, I'll walk you through some examples of what that looks like today. Uh, Flexport has grown tremendously fast over the last six years. So founded in 2014, we've grown really, really quickly. Um, I've been with Flexport for about three years and over that period of time, we've grown from 250 people to over 1,800 people globally in 14 offices, serving over 10,000 customers in 170 countries. That was a lot of numbers all at once. Um, the way we've been able to do that has really been uh, two primary factors. One, technology that gives you real-time visibility into international shipments. And then the second is the technology enables our operations experts to provide better levels of service. And those two things we found to be really, really uh, beneficial for customers. And if you look back six years ago, the way Flexport started was focused on serving a traditionally underserved market of very small customers. So if you think about a company that may ship five times a year, that's where Flexport started six years ago. Um, and what we found is we've continued to move up market and serve larger and larger customers that the visibility, the tracking, the data digitization, um, the, the service levels have, has provided tremendous value uh, to large customers. And I'll give you some examples of, of, what, of who those are in, uh, in, in the next slide. So uh, in terms of scale, in the last six years, we've grown, again, very quickly. Um, on the Trans-Pacific eastbound lane, so think about Asia to the US uh, imports, uh, we are number eight currently uh, in terms of vol ocean volume on that lane. Sometimes it's seven, sometimes it's six. Uh, really depends upon what month. Um, we are a full suite provider, so air, ocean, both FCL, LCL. We provide trucking, customs advisory. Uh, that's a very hot area right now. Everyone's looking to figure out how they can um, you know, deal with the Section 301 tariffs. Um, we even offer a trade finance product, so full suite of services uh, available. So here's a sense of, of who some of our clients are. And so I, I don't know if, if GP is here today, but we've worked with them for the last couple of years. Sonos is another one of our clients, Gerber. Um, again, as, as, you, as we focused on building out more and more technology, um, we found that at a, at a, at a larger scale that it's, it's been very valuable to our customers as well. All right, so let's talk about what we're gonna go over today. That's a little bit about Flexport. Um, so let's start with the problems that got us here. And when I say here, what I mean is um, challenges with 
uh, data visibility and international shipping, um, consumer expectations changing, uh, what it used to be versus what it is today. Um, where we need to go, I'm going to walk you through an example of what a shipment could look like in the future, um, how you might be able to automate portions of that process, um, and how you can leverage technology to make decisions faster uh, than, than using Excel spreadsheets and phone calls and emails and stuff like that, which the industry has historically done. Um, and then we'll talk about this concept of a, troll, a control tower. So being able to do all of this centrally uh, with one platform uh, for all providers. So let's start with what, what got us here. So retail apocalypse, it's pretty scary. Um, so when you think about this, really what this means is consumer demands are changing, right? So if you think about what the expectation used to be in terms of delivery, and what it is today, it's very different, right? So I'll show you an example, right? This is very, this is very different, right? From three-week delivery to where today, uh, if it takes three days, that actually feels pretty long in a lot of cases. Um, I was actually, I was in Jacksonville last week visiting some customers, and we drove by an Amazon distribution center. My Lyft driver was taking me to the airport. We drove by an Amazon distribution center, and she said, if you're in the Jacksonville area, and you order something on Prime, you're gonna get it in two hours. And that's becoming more and more common in major metropolitan areas, right? That expectation continues to increase. Uh, it's very difficult to meet those expectations when the inbound portion of supply chain is very uh, difficult to understand where, where stuff is uh, around the world, right? And so, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's a second piece uh, that's really made this difficult, right? And so two very large unforeseen uh, disruptions. So the first is the trade war. Who here has been impacted by Section 301 tariffs? All right, so still a lot of hands there. Um, who here has, has changed their supply chain strategy, uh, sourcing, those sorts of things based upon that? A couple people as well. Um, and so... In times of uncertainty, visibility on the inbound process matters even more, right? You can't fulfill two-day, two-hour customer expectations if you can't reliably get product uh, into your distribution center or 3PL. Um, so trade war is one um, over the last, you know, call it year and a half, almost two years. Um, coronavirus. It's a little light in here today. I think uh, there's a lot of people that couldn't attend. Uh, there's a lot of people that can't travel internationally right now. I did a webinar on Friday on the impact of coronavirus. Um, you can go check it out at flexport.com. But um, essentially what we're seeing is uh, manufacturing is ramping back up. And probably in the next four to six weeks, uh, we expect full capacity for most of the clients and customers that I've been talking to, right? The challenge is going to be, this is going to cause, and, and really already is, a huge, backlog, a huge backlog of cargo departing China, right? And so when you think about that, you know, capacity has been taken out of the market. I don't know if anyone's kind of read the blank sailing data, but in the first, uh, in weeks five through 15 of this year, there have been 111 blank sailings on this trade lane from, from Asia to the U.S., 48 of those are driven by coronavirus, carriers pulling capacity off the market, right? So you've got a backlog of inventory, you've got uh, reduced capacity, you're gonna see rates go up, 
and then you're going to see a lot of uncertainty and delays. And think about how difficult the next couple of months are going to be. I'm sure a lot of you are already thinking about that already, but how difficult it's going to be over the next couple of months trying to get that inventory in to, to satisfy uh, customer expectations. So those are the two primary things that we'll think about as we move forward here, right? So uh, primarily increased customer expectations and then some of these unforeseen events that, that make it that much more critical for uh, inbound visibility, tracking, fast decision making. So imagine the perfect supply chain. Right, so when I say perfect, I don't mean that delays aren't going to happen. Right, technology can't solve that. There's there's infrastructure challenges, uh, there's capacity challenges. What I mean when I say the perfect supply chain, I mean having visibility, reliability, transparency, um, and having a platform that can help you make decisions fast enough. Right, if I tell you. Well, two weeks ago, there was a delay coming out of Shanghai, so your cargo's not going to deliver tomorrow. That doesn't really help, right? Uh, but if I tell you two weeks ago, hey, listen, there was a delay in Shanghai today. Here's going to be the downstream impact. Will this meet your customer requirements or not? Do we need to change modes? Do we need to expedite once it hits LA? Um, trying to be proactive and leveraging technology to do that. Um, Empowered to create long-term strategy and not put out fires. The majority of customers that I'm talking to, either them or their teams, are focused on battling exceptions on a day-to-day -day basis, right? I'm coming into work and I'm going, okay, like is everything on time? I gotta check and make sure everything is where it needs to be. We wanna think in terms of a world of just exception management, right? If you don't hear anything, you can feel confident that your cargo is where it's supposed to be, and if you get an exception, you're provided with an exception, but also you're provided with some solutions and options that, you, uh, that allow you to adapt. You're able to set your desired SLA for transit. When I think about this, I don't think transit in terms of just transit time, right? I think that's too simple, right? If we think about SLA for transit, we think about that in terms of what are my expectations for delivery to my customer, right? If I say, I want to reliably within 95% of the time deliver on two-day expectations for my customers, those are the sorts of SLAs that we want to focus on and then work back upstream to deliver on those sorts of expectations. Uh, you know, I want to, you know, within 90% reliability get, uh, get to my customer within two hours, right? And then you start to work back uh, upstream. So, I think shifting the mindset of transit as a KPI and what that really means, I think historically, we really look at transit times as a key indicator, it's on-time performance. Did you get it there when you were said it, you, you were gonna get there? But that doesn't allow you to adapt and be flexible when things inevitably change. All right, so let's go through a, a small example of what something like this might look like, right? So let's say Emma is a supply chain manager. She's out of stock of her favorite or of her, of her best-selling shoe, um, and customer says, "You know what? I don't. I don't need to wait for this. I can go on Amazon. I can go somewhere else. I can buy it um, and get it somewhere else. I don't. I don't need to wait." So out of stock is something that we should all look at as unacceptable, right? Um, and so she's frustrated, and she's saying, "Like, where can I go?" 
to get reliable service? How can I leverage technology to give me real-time visibility? And where's the source of truth? So back to this concept of the perfect supply chain, right? Coming from emails, Excel spreadsheets, phone calls, reacting uh, without a lot of time to an empowered uh, technology platform that allows you to make decisions faster um, and in time that you can actually do something about it. All right, so let's look at the process step by step here. So you generate your first PO. And so today, that's cut a PO, send it to a supplier. In a world like this, with your warehouse wrapped into the technology system, monitoring your inventory levels, when you drop below a reorder point, it says, based upon the transit times I've loaded, I'm going to need a PO. And based upon the replenishment order that you set, that gets sent automatically to my supplier. And that supplier is also using the same technology. This doesn't go through in an email or some sort of EDI feed, right? So you've got smart technology that's telling you when you're going to need to reorder versus uh, simply taking the time to cut a PO and send it. Supplier receives it. Uh, they create a production plan, hopefully without delay. Um, but that's another piece that could cause challenges, right? So hopefully the, the, the goal here is that order management is an automated process where that PO is cut, uh, it's sent to your supplier, you don't have to involve a person to do this, you set your, your SLAs and you um, leverage the technology uh, to drive POs. Uh, as the production gets underway, you can check status in real time. Again, the, the supplier is on the same platform. You're able to track whether or not their cargo, uh, their, their cargo ready date is still valid, right? My guess is most of you have had suppliers or manufacturers you work with not meet their X factory date before, right? And so, again, that's not particularly helpful if you don't have time to adapt. Right? If you can live in a world where a supplier says, you know what, it was supposed to be, uh, it was supposed to exit the factory this day, it's going to be four days later, and you've got a platform that comes back and says, that's actually not going to meet uh, my KPIs for my customers, I may need to provide alternative transit options. Right? You know, I may need to air it, I may need to use, you know, a Matson fast service. Um, or I just may need to transload. There's multiple different options, but you need to have that information in time to make that decision. So let's say for this particular case, the supplier is on time, they create a booking, um, a sailing schedule is automatically provided based upon that X factory date, right? Because you can load in sailing schedules, carrier partners on our side of the world. Um, and focus on, again, delivering on that transit time. You can optimize between transit time and cost and decide what's most important, right? Uh, again, more on the, on the forwarder side, but you secure space on the vessel um, and manage allocations. And so from an allocation perspective, we want to make sure that for our customers, we're not going over our allocation limits, which reduces the, the likelihood of rolling to the next week. Um, this is something that happens uh, you know, frequently in the industry. Flexport's roll rate is less than 
right? Our, our goal is to manage allocations very, very accurately to make sure that your cargo's moving when it's supposed to. So the trucker picks up the cargo from the supplier. So think about a world where a uh, delivery order is automated. It's sent to a trucker, knowing what the X factory date, all of this data still in the same system. Uh, truckers that we, that we leverage use a, a platform called Transmission. Uh, that's all baked into the same technology. So you're not doing this through emails or phone calls and those sorts of things. You're linking all of the parties involved into one transaction. Um, to make sure that the cargo gets picked, on, picked up on time and it gets loaded on board the vessel. So once, it, uh, once the ship departs, then you can start to track milestones if you want to, right? Our hope is we can get to a place where again, if you don't hear anything, you can assume that everything is where it should be and you're managing by exception versus tracking vessels uh, when they're on the water, right? There's not a whole lot you can do there. If it's on the water, it's gonna be there until it arrives in LA or Savannah or wherever. So you can start to track milestones like you know, loaded on board, ETD, ETA at the, uh, at the ocean port, at the inland port, et cetera, um, and really monitor if you need to where your cargo is, what inventory is in each container, what's gonna replenish the orders that I need, right? And then five days prior to arrival, customs is cleared, right? We've got an HTS code library, and I don't say we, I'm just saying a platform, right? Uh, you've got an HTS code library um, of all your products and SKUs and HTS codes that allow customs to be cleared, and then an automated pickup and delivery order is sent out to the trucker that's also using technology. Trucker delivers your shipment as accurate live updates are shared. And so you think about this, technology the trucker has is using GPS. You can see when it's picked up from the Port of Savannah, driving to Atlanta, delivering in Norcross. Um, and you can track, you know, using geofencing technology at the warehouse, you don't need someone to tell you that it's delivered, right? So we'll talk about this, this concept of a control tower, but you don't need someone to tell you that it's delivered, you can look in the platform and say, it's arrived, right? Um, the trucker and the warehouse are collaborate, collaborating via a warehouse application. And so they've, uh, they've picked a delivery appointment, which they hit on time, hopefully, right? I don't think there's gonna be some things that, uh, you know, delays are gonna happen, traffic, all that sort of stuff. But if you're using GPS technology, you're able to see where that is and you're, and you're able to plan your warehouse labor effectively. And then if you think about, for those of you that may use drop and pick operations, right? The container's dropped and then all of the data associated with that container is logged in the warehouse application. So you've got things like container last free day, um, empty return notification, number of chassis days, day return back at the port, with the whole goal here of minimizing any additional costs and having reporting that allows you to make adjustments uh, as needed, right? So we talked about the, this, this idea of HTS code, product SKU, library, um, you know, that exists today, right? And you can, you can categorize or you can, you can house all of your products to ensure strong compliance, 
uh, make sure that you're audit ready so you've got everything in a SaaS-based environment uh, that can be saved in perpetuity, right? Um, I, I visited a customer a couple, probably last year in South Carolina that for every inbound shipment, they would take a manila folder and that manila folder would move around the office based upon where it was in the shipment lifecycle. Bill of lading, customer invoice, um, packing list, until it finally got to the person in, in AP that actually paid the bill and then they would put it in a file cabinet and save it for audit. I don't need to do stuff like that. That's probably an extreme example. Um, but this is a customer that does 3,500 TEU a year, not small, right? So leveraging technology for every part of this process um, saves time, it's more efficient, uh, you, you, you reduce risk of error. So compliance is a big part of this. Most importantly, products are never out of stock. We talked about this at the beginning, but being out of stock is the quickest way to lose customers. So the shipment is complete at this point. You receive your invoice and it's easy to understand and pay. What did I quote? What did I get invoiced? Were there any discrepancies? If so, what, did that, what adjustments can I make in my supply chain? So let's use a real example here. Let's say um, you know, you've, got a, you've got a warehouse here in Norcross and it's a drop and pick operation. I don't have enough labor to unload containers and I'm getting detention bills because of it. I'm keeping the containers for too long. This reporting can show you very quickly what's happening and you can make adjustments. Oh, I actually may need to staff additional labor, right? I, don't, I may not need to do it for you know, three months, but maybe for the next three weeks, based upon what's coming in, my warehouse can staff additional labor, labor to support. So minimizing those costs, those additional costs. And then I didn't want to leave without talking about this, right? So as you think about end-to-end um, -end supply chain, and, and, and today I'm talking really about order management through kind of in-customer distribution and reverse logistics. And so with the rise of e-commerce and how easy it is to order online, you know, I'll use my, my wife as an example. She probably doesn't know I'm doing this, but um, she might go order five, five pairs of jeans on Everlane, right? She's going to try them all on. She's going to keep one. She's going to return the four. This provides huge challenges for companies today. And I'm sure it provides challenges to a lot of people in this room. How do you start to bake in the inventory that comes back? How do you bake in the full truckload that is, it is bringing, full truckload or, or LTL that's bringing that inventory back um, so that you can get it back out to the next customer that needs to buy it? So this is a really critical part. And then refine and repeat, right? So this is one shipment. Uh, it's gonna you're gonna continue to get more and more data that can provide you better information on inventory levels, can provide you better information on transit time requirements. Again, with the whole goal of optimizing costs and delivering on customer expectations. So it's gotta continue to evolve. So this is just essentially a summary of what we talked about, right? So freight forwarding, or I'll just call inbound logistics, is a relay race of unstructured data. 
think about all the parties involved in this, right? So you've got an exporter, you've got a freight forwarder at origin, you've got a customs broker, you've got an ocean carrier, an air carrier. You've got all these parties involved, which what makes this so difficult because you're working in multiple systems. And so, you know, the, the, to go back to the title of this, we're, we're talking about uh, the single pane of glass that we can use to support all of our data regardless of who you're using. This relay race is really hard if you're working in an email-based, Excel-based environment. And so digitizing all of this and getting everything in one, one platform gives you the ability uh, to make decisions that matter. Perfect lead-in, right? This, this only matters if one system can maintain all of the data. If you're using four freight forwarders and they're all using different systems, it doesn't matter. You're not going to be able to make all the decisions that you need. And candidly, like who, who here will only use one forwarder? Not a lot of hands this time. That's not surprising. It's very risky to use one partner for something like this. Right? As, as large enterprise companies think about securing partners for their international logistics, it's very risky to use just one partner, but you want all of that data in one place. And listen, like EDI feeds, API feeds, those all exist today, right? You can get all of that data into your ERP system. The challenge is you have no way to know whether or not that data is correct. And that's what really matters is, is understanding are the milestones accurate? And this is the hard problem to solve, right? This is why no one can do all this stuff today. This is the really hard problem to solve, is making sure you've got it all in one place, that it's accurate, it's timely, and can provide you the ability to make decisions. All right, so where do we start with? We started with the, the rise of e-commerce, the challenges that's presented. We then moved on to some of the unexpected events tariffs, right, trade war, coronavirus, what that's doing, um, where we need to go. So looking at digitizing the end-to-end -end shipment process and all of the parties involved in that process. So now let's talk about the control tower, right? So how can I look at all of this centrally? So I mentioned a couple of slides ago, many parties involved in this process, very different uh, sorry, very difficult to get all of this information in one place. And so here's another list, right? 3PLs, uh, railroads, airlines, ocean carriers, they're all using different systems. And you need to be able to believe that data and you need it all in one place. <clears throat> so as I talk to a lot of customers, this is what everyone is asking for and, and three things that we're really focused on. So fast and reliable transit times. Again, and when I say transit time, I'm not just saying, you know, manufacturer to 3PL. Like, that's one part of it. But that's a piece that feeds into the outbound side of things, right? It's all got to be connected together. And, and, and you're making one informed decision versus just holding somebody accountable for a transit time. It's not good enough, especially when transit times, I'll talk about on the, next, on the next slide, but especially when transit times that you're given in a lot of cases are just unreliable and it's based upon like best case scenario, right? The second is visibility and control over inventory and motion, right? What decisions can you make 
If you start to have, if you have a product that starts to sell tremendously well, and this is a hard thing about new products, it's hard to forecast demand, but if you have something that's selling tremendously well, and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I've got a thousand units in, in, uh, in transit, but I won't get them for two weeks, that's a problem. So what are my options to, to change that wallet's in motion? And then low and predictable supply chain costs, right? Supply chain is historically looked at as a cost center. How do I take more and more cost out of my supply chain year over year over year, right? What I've, what I've discussed with a lot of customers and where we're starting to see trends move is instead of supply chain simply being a cost center, it becomes a differentiator. What are the things that I can do? Sure, like you should, you're starting to hit budgets and all that sort of stuff, but what are the things that I can do to optimize those costs to deliver on customer expectations? It's very hard uh, and very expensive to get a new customer. It's much easier to retain one. So on-time performance was the first one on that last slide, right? Today, in a lot of cases, this is based upon best case scenario, right? Um, I'll use an example uh, of, of moving from, let's say, Shenzhen uh, to the port of LA into Chicago, right? Um, you know, let's say 13 days to the port of LA and the carrier will say seven more days to Chicago. Never happen, right? It won't. Because there's congestion at the port of LA, it's gotta be transferred to rail, it's gonna be, there's gonna be rail delays. And so we can leverage data that looks historically at what these have been in different parts of the year and make smarter transit times, right? I see a lot of pushes to drive down transit time, but if it's unreliable and it's inconsistent, it's really not that helpful, right? You might be able to take a couple days of working capital out of inventory, but if you're out of stock, is that, is that the trade-off that you want to make? So on-time performance matters, but it matters in terms of fulfilling customer expectations. And how do you use inbound to do that? Risk management. So uh, again, when you look at this, right, having a central control tower that allows you to understand, like, am I going to run low on inventory? What are, some of the, um, what are some of the environmental things that could potentially delay, right? So starting to look at weather patterns over time to, to determine will there be delays out of certain parts of the world, leveraging, leveraging that information to bake it into, uh, into transit times. Um, and then also um, having that impact your overall lead time, right? So if I have all that information, I can make smarter lead times. And guess what? Lead times should change throughout the year because shipping surely does, right? So if you think about, I'll use the Chicago example again. If you ship into Chicago and it's December, guess what? It's going to snow and there are going to be delays. But we know that. But I continue, to, I continue to work with customers and say, listen, update your lead times, update your transit times based upon what we know is likely to happen in the environment. You're better off hedging a little bit than being out of stock and missing on customer expectations. And then cost, obviously that was the third one. And, and cost matters, we're all working within budgets. Um, but this is a piece where you should look at cost optimization versus simply just what's the lowest rate I can get, right? You can, you can go and negotiate the best annual fixed rate and you know, we're in that part of the year right now or about to be. Um, but if cargo doesn't get loaded um, or other things happen that don't allow you to get your inventory in when you need it, 
it's really not that beneficial. So you've got to look at cost from an end-to-end -end perspective and make sure that you're optimizing for truly what matters. If you carry a ton of inventory, you're carrying 16, 18 weeks of inventory, and you're not going to run out, maybe this is, an, this is a lever you can pull to reduce cost. But if you're lean and you're not, right, going too low on some of this stuff can, can hurt in the long run. Coming back to the overall message today, right, it's end-to-end -end visibility and a central platform to make better decisions. If you can pull all of this data, and you think about the, the journey that we've gone, gone on today, if you talk about you know, reorder point drop, automated PO to supplier, places booking, freight forwarder allocations, vessel departs and arrives, linked into warehouse technology for delivery. That sort of information all in one place will be very powerful. And this is, again, this is the hard stuff, right? Nobody can do all of this stuff today. But I think as, as companies continue to invest in supply chain technology, it's gonna force asset owners, infrastructure, to continue to improve and adapt, because today, this will tell you what's happening. In order to truly get better over time, we've got to have infrastructure changes as well. And so you see like the port of, it, of Savannah continue to invest, right? Like that matters a ton. But you want to be able to make all of, these, all of these decisions in real time from one central platform. All right, so a couple of takeaways and we'll wrap up. Context. Context matters. Not where is it, why is it delayed, what happened, but also what, what do I do about it? What are my options? For me to tell you that something was delayed does absolutely nothing for you. That's a, a milestone in a spreadsheet. It's this is delayed, it's no longer gonna meet the requirements that you said you needed. Here are some options that you can use to adapt uh, and be flexible, um, you know, based upon what you're trying to optimize for essentially making smarter decisions. It's really difficult to do that if you're operating with you know, nine parties involved, all through email and Excel sheets and those sorts of things. Or again, I'll even go back to the, to the EDI piece. If the data is not correct, it's really difficult. So I'll, I'll, I'll finish on this. Um, as I said in the beginning, like our mission is very aspirational. Um, you know, we share a vision to unite the planet in a seamless web of commerce, unhindered by physical borders, boundaries, or political agendas. Our goal is to continue to invest in supply chain technology that helps everybody with global trade and makes things simpler. Again, at the, at the beginning, my name is Matthew Marshall. You can email me if you have more questions, matthew.marshall at flexport.com or you can just go to the website at flexport.com. We also have a booth, maybe three booths that way, uh, 5885. Um, and really appreciate the time today. Appreciate you guys traveling in to come and visit. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. I'll stick around for a couple more minutes if anyone has questions, but really do appreciate, um, appreciate you guys coming out. Thanks.